Welcome everyone to Goddard in the World podcast. I am your host, Amanda Faye-Laxon, and I am here with my co-host, Sam Rebeline. How are you, Sam? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Doing well. I just uh, finished my sort of holiday travels, finally. Awesome. Um, yeah, went went down to Florida for Christmas and then went back down to Florida because it was my son's first birthday. Oh my God. Happy Happy birthday. Um, Yeah. He also sent out, I hope it's cool. And we could cut this if it's not (laughs) for me to say, like uh, you sent out some adorable little happy birthday cards uh, for Rafa. They were so sweet. I was so honored (laughs) to get one. Aw, thanks. I know. (laughs) I was like, I was like asking, people for their addresses their mailing addresses and people are like uh why (laughs) okay (laughs) um i think people you know we don't really mail a bunch of stuff anymore so um, yeah well and i think it depends on the person yeah yeah you know if if my dad was like what's your mailing address i'd be like "Mm, what for sir um but (laughs) you know (laughs) um i mean he knows my address you know Um, there you go there's no reason for him not to but i just mean like you know there are certain people that i'd be like what do you need it for but i figured it couldn't be anything bad yeah you you know so yeah glitter bomb (laughs) yeah exactly i do want one of those one of those like big boxes that opens up and it spews butterflies and candy everywhere oh sure yeah i would love to see one of those in action in Ah. in person at some point hint hint oh okay well (laughs) i think i'm trying to remember i think your birthday is like in a couple months still so maybe um it's april 19th so i'm right on the edge of aries and taurus um, there you go is my my energy (laughs) so now we have we have your birthday and your name and i have your mailing address (laughs) no Uh um what and your birthday passed it was in like november it was in october october October. yeah so my husband and i our birthdays are in october and our wedding anniversary is also in october so it's a whole awesome celebratory month um and then yeah and then rafa's birthday is january um and so yeah it was very exciting um we had two parties uh because we were with curtis's side of the family and then my side of the family in tampa and then tallahassee and uh so rafa got two smash cakes and, What's a smash cake? Oh, okay. So, so uh, Publix. If if you're in the South, you know what Publix is. It's just like it's a grocery store chain, but um, it's very okay. well known. They, I mean, I I think a lot of people would do smash cakes, but like they have for like your for for the first birthday, um, they you you can order like a regular cake, and they'll put they'll give a smash cake for free and it's basically it's a smaller version of the cake that you ordered it's it just says happy 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 first birthday rafa like and And it's just so he can smash it exactly so you put him in the high chair take off all his clothes (laughs) like leave the diaper um and then you just encourage him to make a big old mess oh he just goes to town yeah i mean he he was hesitant at first because, like, we, sure. I mean, we don't keep him that, like, clean. <laughs> like, you know, we don't make him, like, be <laughs> super tidy. <laughs> but, like, I think he's just, oh, sorry, there's a... 
ambulance or something. Oh, I don't know. They um, heard that you keep your baby dirty. I they're know. Like, <laughs> they're like, you don't watch your baby. We're coming for you. <laughs> no, this is it. I know this is New York, New York for you. You know, yeah. it's very well, uh, regulatory, I guess. They're strict about their babies. Yeah, I know, I know. But um, yeah. So so like just putting a an entire cake in front of him um was confusing. <laughs> so, he, so he was just sort of playing with the frosting for a little bit, and like awesome. then sort of putting it to the side of his high chair and painting with it a little bit and yeah for later um and then eventually he would like put it in his mouth like to see um which is funny because he'll put dust in his mouth but like you know like (laughs) we'll crawl around and find like dust bunnies and be like okay that's that's food it's like no no (laughs) but um um do you have like really gonna get the police on (laughs) that Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you have dust buddies like, in your house. Um, yes. Do you have hair too? Like, do you have a, a cat? If I no, right? no, no, I don't have okay. cat or dog or. But okay. I have hair. I have long hair, so I'm sure it ends up on the okay. floor. Um, yeah, yeah, as long as he's getting some hair in his dust. Yeah, exactly. Part of a well dust, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm allergic to cats, so cats are not going to happen. But, oh, um, me too. I always oh, really? feel a bit bad about it, but um, I feel like cats know that I'm allergic, and so they're immediately like, they you asshole. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, oh, well, fuck you too, you know, cat. <laughs> so I have a love-hate thing with cats where I really want to love them, but I can oh. tell that they can tell that i don't yeah yeah i don't <laughs> we're gonna maybe we'll lose some fans but like i i don't love cats <laughs> so it's like um yeah. and and i'm allergic to them super allergic i don't know which came first but um yeah exactly yeah, yeah. right but i'm i'm good like we're I'm fine not loving cats. So yeah. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, I'm more of a dog person for sure. Me but, too. Um, uh, although our guest today, <laughs> Callie Meister, yes, she does love way. all animals. She loves dogs and cats. Yeah, she has, I think, I think at the time we spoke, maybe five animals. Um, oh, gosh. Or three, four. I don't know. She has a lot of animals, um, and you she could loves a lot of animals. Say any number, and I'd believe you. It was in her bio. It's three plus the spirit of one of the dogs. I think. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. I think- you know, um, she told such a great story. I mean, I really uh, so Amanda and I take turns editing the audio for each episode, and I did this one, and it it really blew by i mean this this was maybe the quickest episode that i had to edit just because i was so um invested in what we were talking about i mean it, there there always tends to be a minute between recording and editing and so sometimes you forget uh, what you talked about, which always makes like listening to your own voice worse. Cause you're like, Oh God, not only do I hate the sound, but I'm like, what am I saying? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I really just sank into the conversation and, and really was so intrigued by everything that she was saying. I mean, I think she's a great storyteller mm-hmm. and just an amazing conversationalist. And so I'm, I'm really excited to share this episode with everybody. Cause I feel like uh, it just, really i really clicked with it yeah 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, like when I was listening to it, so like we take turns like listening to each other's edits. When I was listening to it, um, for to to make notes, I'm like, I, I so it blew by. Like I got annoyed by my own voice that <laughs> that I wrote to Sam. I'm like, oh, my voice sounds terrible. Um, <laughs> but then I was just kind of like listening to it and forgot that I was supposed to be taking notes. Um, I mean, so I was like, I guess it sounded. <laughs> good (laughs) so because um yeah as you said like the conversation just flowed and like she's just very um engaging um lots of stuff to talk about like from being a filmmaker and an intuitive and uh different ghost stories which are Mm -hmm. super fascinating um yeah and kind of thematic to some of the other writers that we've had on the podcast for yeah sure. lots of similar themes about the south and ghosts mm-hmm. and lots yeah. of overlapping ideas so it's all fit nicely with some of the other episodes that we've released lately absolutely um she talked about like southern and northern gothic which i was like ooh, like i'll yeah. leave that for you all to hear um that discussion yeah, I'm trying to think. Was there anything else that we wanted to share about Callie? She's also oh, she's a she is a tarot reader and um, always mm-hmm. accepting new clients. Um, mm-hmm. So go to her website and uh, book with her or check out what, more of what she does. Uh, we'll put those links in the show notes. Um, what else? Anything else? I don't know. I don't want to say any more about it for. Mm-hmm you know spoilers sake yeah <laughs> i know <laughs> like this the plot of this episode is really complex <laughs> you guys have really got to buckle down but uh no i i just i had a really good time with her and i'm so glad that she came on and um not only are there overlapping themes between this and other episodes that we've done recently but also some like very nice little like webs of connections between her and megan and christy and you know, so I'm I'm happy that we're sort of doing these all in a in a row. I think it's yeah. a nice little collection of interviews. Um, and when we when um, she refers to Christy, she refers to her by another name, uh, Kay, uh, which right. Christy yeah. also goes by. So if you hear her talking about Kay, that's Christy Peterson Schoonover, who is our first episode of this season, season three. So yeah, yeah. Uh, sit back, relax, enjoy our episode with Callie Meister. Callie Meister is an established writer, public speaker, college educator, academic, and actress. She received a bachelor's degree in psychology from the University of Tennessee and an MFA in creative writing from Goddard College. Callie was five years old when she had her first experience seeing, feeling, and sensing spirit. She has been reading tarot and worked as an empathic channel and healer for over 30 years. She does private tarot readings and group events and facilitates workshops on how to read tarot cards, how chakra and breathing align you to your higher self, and how to use intuition to journal your way through healing, physical, and emotional pain. 
Callie's writing is an extension of her rich experiences in theater, performance art, and film. Her writing has won literary awards for fiction, playwriting, and nonfiction, and has been featured in publications such as Circle Magazine, Pegasus Review, Outscapes, 34 Orchard, and Phoenix. Callie produces, writes, directs, and acts in short films under her production company, She Wonder Productions. Her films focus on the female experience, female narrative, and female talent. Callie enjoys cooking and spending time with her boyfriend and her animal companions, Twig, Emma Sue, Kitten, and the spirit of Miss Mitzi Pinkish. Welcome, Callie. Hello there. How are you today? I'm really glad you edited that. (laughs) Why is that? Oh, gosh. You know, um, I've really embraced going into my 50s, and you don't really... Even looking at your life, you're like, I did that. You know, I'm doing that. That's- wow. I just, you know, I'm sitting on my recliner right now with a dog in my lap. You know, how did I get here? Well, that sounds lovely. <laughs> oh, yes, it is. She is very, Twig is on my lap and oh, she twig. she oh. is attached to me at the hip quite, quite literally. So, but yes, well, thank you guys for having me. And I'm very excited to, to see oh. where this hour goes. Oh my gosh! We are, yeah, we're thrilled to have you here. This is going to be oh, fun. Thank you. Thank, yeah. you, thank you, thank you. So you mentioned that you were five years old when you first experienced sensing spirit. Um, yes. Can you tell us the story around that? Oh yes, um, it's one that is uh, very interesting in my family because my entire family um, has um, a lot of intuitive uh, and and. Uh, seeing spirit. And Mm -hmm. so uh, my mom and my father had divorced and my mother was a single mom. And this is the seventies, early seventies. And we moved into this house and I think she should have known from the house that something was not, because she didn't have a lot of money. And this was a two story Victorian in the seventies. It was beautiful home. So somehow my brother wound up, I think he was at a cousin's house and it was me and my mom. And my um, my grandparents, her parents, and th- we were moving stuff into the house, and it got late, and my grandparents decided to spend the night, and my mother was going to sleep on the couch downstairs, and um, they slept upstairs with me. And so about 3 o'clock in the morning, my mom swears that she looked at the end of the couch, and there was this big red thing that um was standing there she couldn't move she was absolutely paralyzed and um at the same time i was five i was upstairs and i just broke into a sweat my grandparents said and i looked up at the ceiling i kept pointing at the ceiling i kept going look at the pretty light look at the pretty light and my grandparents are kind of like oh okay you know Um, and that went on for quite a while. And then I just kind of laid down and went back to sleep. And so the next day we all, you know, met downstairs and kind of discussed what happened. And we realized, yes, this house was very haunted. And, Mm. and then to add, so I was in my teens and I, I remember this house and weird things happening. And I, I asked my mom, I'm like, Hey mom, remember when we lived in that haunted house and I had that little friend that came over all the time 
Oh. And she's like, who? And I said, a little redheaded girl that always wore the yellow dress. <laughs> and she said, I don't remember this at all, Callie. And I said, well, no. I said, she used to come over and we'd play in that little closet under the steps. And sometimes we'd play in the dog kennel. And then at night, she would be outside on the roof. And I would oh talk to her God. through the window. Oh and God. as it's coming out of my mouth, I go, oh. <laughs> oh, my. Um, so, and there, like, we saw a little boy in the fireplace. I mean, there there were, oh it, it was a very weird house. So, and I did some research. The house is still on the market. It's still in this town we lived in. And the, there are pictures online that if you want me to send you, I will, where you can see things in the pictures through the Zilla ad for it. Really? Yeah. It yes, is please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was kind of funny. And, and but I think that was kind of the first recognition and I always just knew things. And, and actually that's why I, I liked Goddard because Paul and I, I finally was able to kind of put all of it together about knowing and just knowing things. And, and, you know, my, my whole family has just always known, you know, you know, things that should be done and should be done or just people like, um, you know, if somebody passed, it'd be like, oh, well, okay, yeah, you know, I, I see that. I mean, I have a cousin who had a very long conversation. She was three or four with her grandfather who had died a week before. She was sitting at her little mm -hmm. tea table um, having a very, and I know she was talking to him. I mean, I, I, I know, you know, and because there were things she was saying that I, a three-year-old just said no. Mm -hmm. And uh, my niece is uh, the, the niece story is is my favorite. <laughs> my my niece is thirty and she she has it. And my brother and we all have it in different ways. Like okay. my brother is what I would call an empathic painter. Oh, and he does these paintings that are like spirits and aliens and um, like he's got one and it's like me and him and my mom but it's like generations of other people and beings that are inside of us and kind of wow. coming out through the back of us mm. and he, he's incredibly talented with it and uh and then my niece just likes to craft and read books and but she just knows things too but yeah it's i think it's a family thing and mm. um like my grandmother was uh and see this is kind of weird i i was born in missouri <laughs> Okay. Wound up in Texas. Mm. I live in Tennessee. Oh, wow. I actually wound up on a property that was owned by my great, 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 great grandfather in Tennessee. Wow. wow. That he was a preacher and okay. it was his church. And there's a church still there, mm. but it, it's not the, it's obviously not the same church. But I just, it amazes me at how, you know, DNA and, and empathy and intuition has a calling because I had always felt like I'm. My family, I just felt drawn to Tennessee. Mm. Like, I have to be here, but um, and and it has its positives and negatives. <laughs> sure. Are you um? Was that Victorian in where was that Victorian house? The it was house? in Missouri. Okay. I, I was born in a little town called Saint, well, I shouldn't say little town. That's a pretty big town. Uh, Saint Joseph, Missouri. Okay. And we wound up from we we were people like were you in the military? No hippie. Um, we went from Missouri to South Texas to Middle Texas to Northeast Texas. Mm. And even before Missouri, my 
we wound up in Wichita at one point in Mississippi. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we were, I went to like four or five different elementary schools and I managed to get, make it through one middle school, but then I went to three different high schools. And so I will say the idea of flying by the seat of my pants is, is not foreign to me. I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty good at it. Plus also it helps having Gemini parents. I don't know how much you know about astrology, but I'm a Taurus with Gemini parents. So I would come oh, okay. home from school and sometimes we would have moved. Oh. <laughs> like, ah. Or there would be boxes, you know, in a truck, like, oh, we're moving. Oh, okay. Um, my favorite, I came home and my mom had switched my brother and I's bedrooms just because she felt like it. Oh, wow. Oh, interesting. Well, that all those experiences must also lend to um, your ability to engage with spirit because you're sort of on alert, you know, as a kid, yeah. things change, you're at a new school all the time. So you're sort of paying attention to mm. uh, vibes in a way that other people aren't necessarily, you know, so that must have fed into that ability and, and helped. Oh, yes, definitely. I mean, and, and there's lots of interesting research about that and like this also trauma of, mm -hmm. you know, kind of flipping that switch on. And in fact, it's interesting. I was talking about that with a client yesterday about how, you know, your experience can open you up to a higher level of openness and, and being able to sense things in different ways. And I definitely think that kind of, and it was, and my mom, I think she does kind of feel bad now. You know, I, I told her recently, I have never in my life ever felt safe. Oh. I've never felt secure. I've never felt like I was okay in, in my space. I always felt like, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it any moment everything could disrupt and, mm -hmm. and we would, you know, either pick up a move or something would happen. And, um, it, it, it even now, you know, it, it, it's, I still don't entirely feel safe. You know, and I, I'm yeah. not sure that that's something I, I'm ever going to feel, to be honest. So, yeah. But it does. Yeah, it, it definitely kind of awakens things. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know, once your world feels unstable, you start to see the ways in which um, not just your world, but the world itself is unstable. And I feel oh, yeah. like you start to, you know, you talk about trauma. And I think that that opens up these cracks to like, you know, we were talking with Christy uh, in the last episode about trauma and horror movies and that's oh, always sort yes. of, a, right. That's always sort of a thing with paranormal movies that there's a death that sort of starts it off, you know, and poltergeist, yes. her canary dies. Yeah. And so that sort of opens the question of um, the afterlife, even before there are ghosts, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's so smart that these experiences open you up to see, um, Sort of the traumas in the world once you're engaging yeah. with your own trauma oh yes it's a very gothic world i mean <laughs> really <laughs> and oddly that's where Kay and i connect it's funny because we're both sort of gothic writers and yeah. and she's i i love kind of reading her stuff or not kind of i, I love reading her stuff mm -hmm. and and she's she's very northeastern gothic and i'm very southern gothic yeah and so and it's interesting where they complement each other and it's funny because everything i write i send to her and everything nearly everything oh. she writes. she's far more prolific than i i cannot get over how much that woman writes like she I, 
she is wins a lot. Yeah. Yes. And she doesn't think she is, which is even more That's comical. Wild. Yeah. Um, but she'll send me stuff. Like literally I was talking to her the other night and she's like, Oh, I just started another story. I'm like, well, you, you're, you're still working on that other one. You know, you've got three that you're working on this. And she, but she's a machine. I don't yeah. <laughs> how she does it. It's incredible. But uh, yeah, she's, but the, the gothic stuff, it, it does kind of connect you to that darker, mysterious, sort of kooky, weird side of life. But yeah, it, it definitely does. What kind of difference do you see between Northern and Southern Gothic? I'm super fascinated. Yeah, I wonder. That oh, too. that's funny. Okay. And that can kind of go into Goddard too. So, sure. <laughs> um, I learned that I mean I, I I was able to see the difference more clearly when I went to Goddard because I was one of maybe five or six southern writers at Goddard it's predominantly mm-hmm. New England sure. northern midwestern people yeah sure. and they were quite fascinated by, by the southern writers and 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 they were in fact I remember one guy kind of made me laugh I told him I was from southern Appalachia and I could I consider myself an Appalachian writer and um and he said well what's it like in a new york accent which i won't do it because i'll muddle it horribly but well, i'll try he says what's it like to live in a place where people don't have shoes oh okay. <laughs> i was like um well we do have shoes yeah and then irony of irony i went to a goddard uh reading and i was reading and i kicked off my flip-flops underneath the podium Oh and gosh. I walked back to my seat and the person after me came up to read and my friend Cynthia, who was from Mississippi and she's passed away since she hmm. looked at me, she said, Oh my gosh, we've got to go. I need to go. And I said, well, Cynthia, I can't. I left my only pair of shoes underneath the podium. Oh, and she no. said, oh, no. Well, no wonder these northerners think we're stupid. You done gone and lost your only pair of shoes. Oh, no. <laughs> um, but I mean, they didn't think we were stupid, but it, I think I like to joke with the the northern writers about how I think southern writers aren't afraid of their crazy people. Like mm-hmm. we put them That's on the porch and give them drinks. Okay. Um, we dress them up on Sundays and take them to church. Hmm. Uh, and there's uh, we're not afraid of our crazy because literally on a daily you will see some of the craziest things you will ever see. Like, I remember, this is so weird. I, I, I was walking to school at about 14 years old, and I used to walk, I mean, the 80s. Uh, I used to walk two and a half miles to school and then two and a half miles home from school through these back roads. It's like, it's a wonder I wasn't murdered, you know. Um, but um, I was walking at 7.30 in the morning in October, and it's pretty cold in Texas. I mean, it's not horrible, but it was chilly. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, the kid that lived at the end of our block was about four, three or four, maybe five years old. And I see this little figure running down the street, just hauling it, booking. And he's completely naked, except for a plastic Snoopy mask. Oh, okay. And yeah. he comes running right past me. And I stop, and I look at him as he runs by, and I turn around, and he's just still running. Hmm. And the thing in the South... Stuff like that is just this. This just happens. It, it, it and, and you learn to kind of go. Oh, okay, you you go maybe talk to the parents and go. You know what's going on here, but still, it, it just becomes something 
you know, dogs run crazy here, you know, children run wild, old people with Alzheimer's will assault you with their walkers in the middle of Walmart. I mean, it, it, and you just go, oh, well, there's Floyd. Um, yeah. you know, his yeah. daughter must be at work and, and he, you know, he left the office. It, Maybe it's a permissiveness. I don't know, but it just hmm. feels like we wear our crazy like a badge. Interesting. And and so and I hate using the word crazy. I mean, because I, I understand it, there's such a negative stigma mm-hmm. with the word crazy. Mm-hmm. And but we our our mental health down here is a clear sign of a lot of our poverty too. Mm-hmm. And um. It, it, I we just wear it. I mean, I guess that's the best way. You know, to me, when I read Northern Gothic, it feels like it's all about secrets, which that's mm. beautiful. And in fact, there's there's something really lovely about learning secrets that, you know. But down here, it's it's right in your face and sitting in Burger King parking lot. It, mm. it, it it's it, it's it's a lot. And I think that that may be. I mean, that's probably the best way I can distinguish. This, the difference between the both of them. That's super fascinating. Yeah, I, like, so I want to read all of all the Southern Gothic and all the Northern Gothic now <laughs> to like through that lens. Um, yeah. Well, and let me know how, cause you know, I, I'm kind of curious. I mean, it, it, it was, that's my, you know, from what I've seen of it, but you know, I may have, that may have to be something I talk about with some of my other southern writer friends like uh, you know and there's something kind of perverse about southern gothic like um recently with the film stuff my favorite i i love horror i love mm-hmm. you know anything camp horror weird and um two or three years ago every year and i'm sad i won't be able to do it this year i i do the knoxville grindhouse grind out which is a film cool. festival and you make a fake trailer and they give you something like you have a subject so you can't kind of fudge you know it's like okay well you draw and you get you know this this topic and we got uh media or something like news or fake documentary or something and so i did this very realistic to where people were like is that true um trailer (laughs) for a, a a mockumentary called harvey skelter and it's basically says that jimmy stewart killed um, Sharon Tate, and <laughs> and awesome. and it's him coming into the police department confessing his part in in the Tate Labianca murders. Oh wow. wow! And people responded to that in the in the most because and what's weird is and I'll send that to you guys too. The the it's about seventy five percent true. The stuff that I put in there, like he was a veteran, he had post traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mm. studio was really freaked out about when he came back from the war because he was filming It's a Wonderful Life. Mm. And he was dealing, and if you watch It's a Wonderful Life, realizing that he was dealing with post traumatic stress disorder, it's an entirely different movie. And you can see wow. it. It's yeah. like, oh, wow, that makes sense. Um, and so we just put him in that context. And then we just had him kill Sharon Tate for the hell of it. Um, <laughs> and And then also at the time, I was really kind of, researching the whole Bill Cosby thing. And I was really mm. not bummed out. That's not even the right words. I was very fascinated with the loss 
of innocence, the loss of how we look at somebody and we yeah. idealize them, and then we find out that they're a monster. You know, it's well, like even that oh, wow. documentary that came out about him recently was called like America's Dad or something. You know, yeah. Um, you know, between that and uh, like Woody Allen, I think was sort of around the same time. Yeah. Um, that everything started coming out. Like it did feel like these sort of like avuncular characters were being uh i don't know what's a good word like exposed or something yes yes and and that was a lot of what i was dealing with and i thought i'm gonna put this out there in a a satirical sort of way and and Mm. saying you know Mm. i think even the last line of the the fake trailer was um everything good dies Mm. (laughs) nice And it was like this whole, and I had him say that it was so funny. The actor that that he won Best Actor at this film festival. He he was so good and so funny. Like I had Jimmy Stewart saying things that that Charles Manson had said or other serial killers. Uh Like my favorite thing. Imagine this coming out of Jimmy Stewart's mouth because his kid sounded so much like Jimmy Stewart. He said, "Um, um." by the time we're done here, the only place my name will be spoken is in hell. Oh, God. So that kind of like, that, you, you want to talk about, you know, a, a childhood trauma meets, you know, creativity. Yeah. Southern yeah. Gothic. It, 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 it does all morbidly and fantastically and gloriously connect. I mean, it's 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 weird how the flow of life is. Well, so how did Goddard show up on that flow for you? I mean, um, you talk about the sort of divide between the North and the South, and uh, I spent some time in Texas this last year, even. And anytime I told a New Yorker that I was going down to Texas, they said, "Oh, I'm sorry." And then anytime, <laughs> anytime I told a Texan, "Oh, I'm moving back to New York," they'd say, "Oh, I'm sorry." And so they just, just like utter. Yeah. So how do you, how this did you end line. up? At, yeah. Right. So how did you end up at a school sort of in the north? Like, how did that come into your path? You know, it it was just an interesting kismet to be quite. I had never heard of Goddard. Um, and I was going to the University of Tennessee at, at Knoxville, and I had this lovely teacher friend mentor student and and the most flattering thing in my entire life is that this woman with a phd who has written god at least 20 books Mm, has has looked at people and said callie is my teacher and and you you want to talk about humbling but her name is marilyn callett she's retired she was the head of creative writing at at, the university of tennessee for a very long time she's an english chair incredible wonderful poet um incredible woman like i learned she was a mother for me in a way too because she she really opened up the world in a way that i had never seen it before um there were certain things i had never had a a dragon fruit until i met Marilyn (laughs) Callie. i grew up in the south and, and we were we were pretty poor and um but there were things she exposed me to that were wonderful but she I was applying for all these programs and I had in my head that I wanted to do a residency I wanted you know to have the whole immersive go to the school and and, but I wasn't really finding anything that that worked for me and so just randomly she's like hey 
there's this program in, in Vermont and I think you should apply for it. And I think that it, it's very much what you're looking for. And I think you will fit in. And she kept expressing the me fitting in there. Okay. And, um, and, and so I thought, well, what, what the hell, you know? And so I applied and I really didn't think, cause I, I was not having any luck and I just had kind of resigned myself that it might be a couple years before I was able to get into a program. And then again, like I said, I got the Paul call, um, which, you know, you guys got to hear, but now they get to hear. Um, Paul calls you. And at the time he was, Paul Selig was the head of the program. And he's this wonderful, clairvoyant, just fantastically guy with his dog and it's tiny a little dog yorkie named darla that and he kind of looked like really nice dr evil with a, a yorkie instead of a, <laughs> um, of the cat yeah. and he always wore black and so okay. he would sit there and talk to you while petting darla oh my and god he was just kind of he he sounded like a less nasally version of dr evil okay it was like so he calls you he's like hi Charlie. And um, also like from Goddard, and I just I wanted to let you know you did the program, and here's my number. If you have any questions, just let me know, and we'll see where you fall. Oh, okay. So, but um, yeah, it, it was just sort of one of those things that lined up appropriately, I guess. It, it because it wasn't planned, and then when I left, I really wish I had called him back because I didn't know what I was getting into. I didn't know what to pack. I didn't know. I hadn't been in the North in a very long time. Mm. And um, they were laughing at me because the first thing that freaked me out is your nose hair freezes when you oh. get it. <laughs> yep. like, um, and, and it became the winter residencies became kind of comical for the Southern folks. And sure. I, I did become really good friends with Cynthia, who again has been asked. Um, and we would meet at the airport or, you know, and, and I remember the first time she, she had her big suitcase. She was this sweet little Southern belle from Mississippi. And we go walking out of the airport with, you know, she had bought this coat, scarf, and she's pulling her bag and the, the door opens and she gets right through the door and all of a sudden turns right back around and looks at me and goes, Oh, hell no. <laughs> 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 And especially Mississippi, I don't think Mississippi gets under 60 degrees ever, ever. And so, but I mean, the summers can be up to 110. I mean, it can be very miserable down here sometimes. I don't know where you were in Texas, but I mean, I grew up in Texas for quite a while. And the day I left Texas, it was Northeast Texas, it was 118 degrees. Yeah, I was in uh, Lubbock. So we were in sort of the plains area. The skies were brown most of the time. Just dirt, you know. Yeah. That's very, that's kind of close to where the, the one thing about Texas that I appreciate, it, it's very piney. I don't think that part of Texas is particularly pretty. Once you get into no. South Texas <laughs> and, and West Texas, it can be lovely. The thunderstorms, there is nothing oh. in the world like a Texas thunderstorm. It, it, yeah, it, it rocks you right to your soul. You, you can't even imagine how incredible they are so you know but but yeah that 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 experience of uh <laughs> going up there was was uh 
incredible in the winter. I got you. And in fact, I kind of miss it because it was very, that first one looked like this. I remember thinking it looked like a cookie tin that my grandmother had mm -hmm. uh, uh, mm -hmm. with the snow that you would mm -hmm. get at Christmas. Mm -hmm. And it, it was just, it was beautiful. And, and, and the cold, I try to tell people, I think it's colder in the South than it was at Goddard because mm -hmm. It's a dry cold up there. And plus, you guys know how to, to plow. You guys know how to manage the snow. Right. So, and down here, you know, if we get three inches, everybody goes out and buys bread and milk and, and beer. <laughs> yeah. And, and they have bread and milk and beer sandwiches. I don't, I don't, I still don't understand the whole, oh, toilet paper. That's the other thing in the South. If it snows, everybody goes and buys all the bread, milk, and toilet paper. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I never got that memo. I don't. Well, I guess, I guess they um, sort of hole in like, yeah. until the thaw, yeah. right? Because it's Oh, yeah, exactly. Right? It's like, and, and I joke with them, I'm like, you know, buy some Fritos, too. I mean, yeah. you know, like, get some Campbell's soup, you guys. Come on. Yeah, well-rounded. Well Make rounded. some stew. Yeah. Exactly. Make some stew, some there chili, you. at least. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, when, um... <laughs> When you were at Goddard, um, so you, I mean, I, as I read in your bio, you've written in like a lot of different forms, fiction, playwriting, oh, yeah. nonfiction. When you were at Goddard, do, did you get to explore all of those or did you um, focus on one and like, what did you work on while you were there? I worked specifically with playwriting that that was my my focus and um i i came at that as being a very disenchanted um plus size woman who was auditioning for roles that didn't exist you know i i was mm. i was trying to go against the grain and i thought you know i don't want to go against the grain i want to write characters that you don't see i want to give sure. voice to 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 those that are not getting a voice and but it did give me a chance to explore that through the friends I was making and going to the the meet the readings that they had at the hay barn and and I had come into it from a weird place because I had been writing poetry and nonfiction but I had decided to focus on playwriting and then also a little bit on nonfiction okay. because my thesis play was very based on my family and. Mm -hmm. um, I, I will say, I joke, my favorite phrase, well, I love Dorothy Parker, and my favorite quote from Dorothy Parker is, um, Dorothy will say, what's your favorite phrase? And Dorothy will reply to herself, check and close. And I see that, I get that from her writing, and I, I will write whatever you want me to write. <laughs> so it's like, right. whatever you will pay me to do, I yeah. will write it. Yeah. Um, I. I and, and and I had a friend named Jesse who was in the PhD program at UT while I was in the undergraduate program. He was beautiful, beautiful. Jesse Graves, he's, re he's a really beautiful poet. And I said, oh, Jesse, you should write plays. And he go he was like, no, oh, God, no, I, I could never do that. I'm like, well, if you can write poetry, you can write plays. It's very similar. And, um, and he was like, oh, I, I could never. I do wish more writers would just be fearless and write. You know, just, yeah. just play with it all. In fact, I mean, the thing that got me into Goddard was a cross-genre play. Okay. And it was a play that was all poetry. It had scenes in it. My favorite scene in this, one of my favorite things to this day I still wrote, it's called The Sea and Say Vibrator. Okay. 
<laughs> and it's a vibrator that had a string and you pulled it and it said what, what women really want to hear. I love that. That's like, amazing. um, honey, you sit down, you've had a hard day. I'll make dinner. And then yeah. she pulls the string again and it says, and do the dishes. <laughs> oh, I love nice. that. Exactly. And so it's, and so I had that and then I, there's a song in it. There's, um, and there's prose and then it it was a little bit of everything. And so for me, I really like playing with it all. I, I really, it's, there's a lot you can learn from that, even if you're not good at it. Because, you know, I, I don't think I'm as good of a fiction writer as I am a playwright or a screenwriter or a poet. And in fact, I can just now say I feel like I'm a good screenwriter hmm. because it took me a while to understand the difference between screenwriting and playwriting, where playwriting is very speaky, talky, and screenwriting is literally piecing together images. Hmm. And I challenged myself to write um a screenplay that was literally just images, just literally no dialogue. It, mm-hmm. It's all just images. I had to have one piece of dialogue because it was a competition piece. But beyond that, there was absolutely no dialogue. And I was, that's when I oh. felt like, okay, I get this now. Like I, I, I see this very distinct difference between playwriting and screenwriting. Mm. But it, it's all fun to play with. And I think all, I think everyone should play with writing. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Good for you. <laughs> good. Yeah. good advice. Well, and since you graduated from Goddard, you've founded your own production company, She Wonder Productions. Yeah. What are some of your favorite projects that you've done? And do you have anything coming up that you're also excited about? Uh, yeah. Um, I, it's it's all kind of up in the air with that. But I will say, yes, I have some projects. I, I did a lot of festivals for a while. And, and those came out of a place of me just being bitchy. I hope I can say that. But yes. she, I, I was so. <laughs> I was just I, editing a podcast yeah. where someone said bitching. And I'm like, and then they also said, can I say that? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, even better. Like, yeah, we're an E. We're a, I put E on our podcast, so you can see. Yeah, we got that little E. <laughs> excellent, excellent. So, yeah, I I had always wanted to, to make films. I had always wanted, I've always, I've loved films. That was the one escape for me from my childhood. And I think it is for a lot of people. I think it is for a lot of creatives, especially, where it's like, okay, I can escape in the, in this movie and I can put myself in it. And and I would go to these film festivals with my friend Mike. And Mike's Mike's a, a not a famous famous, but you can you can IMDb Mike. Mike does some really interesting stuff. And Mike was uh, kind of trying to pull me into the Knoxville film scene. And and I kept going to these festivals and the the one that really broke my back was so Mike was like, Oh, you're gonna love this film festival. It's the 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 the, the twenty four hour film festival mm. and I knew the the creators of it and there were very little there was very little female representation as far as filmmakers mm. in, at that time. Yeah. And um so I go and I stood in the back of the theater and that's what Mike and I always did. We would stay in the back of the theater with our flask and we watched the films <laughs> and it gets into this film and the first film the, there's a murder of the female character and then the second film there's the death of the female character okay. and then the third film there's the death of the female character <laughs> and then the fourth film 
And it just, it keeps going. And every, I am not kidding you when I say every single film featured the death of the female character to propel the male characters through the plot. Oh my God. (laughs) And then Mike is standing there and hasn't even got to his film. And I'm just bitching. You know, I'm like, what is this? And then I look at him and I said, Mike, did you kill a woman in your film? <laughs> right. Did you kill a woman in your film? And he just gets real sheepish. And so here I am in the back of the theater, half drunk from my little flask <laughs> of, of Jack Daniels, beating the shit out of my, who's oh like, my he's like seven foot tall. He's ginormous. <laughs> and I'm just beating him. And then it gets, and sure enough, like the, the female dies. And so I walked up to the, the guy, Michael Samstead, who run, ran the festival and he said, Callie, what do you think of our festival? I said, oh, what do you mean? The 24-hour Let's Kill a Bitch Film Festival? Oh, no. Oh, it was fantastic. And, and he looked at me and he said, and he said, I'm sorry. I didn't even see that. How? And I wow. said, I'm glad I was able to point it out to you. So Michael actually took an initiative for the next year to go out and say, we want female filmmakers. We want Good. female perspective. Nice. And then I... I and and Mike was like, "Are you going to sign up?" I'm like, "I Mike, I don't know what I'm doing," and and so here I go pay my seventy five dollars. I sign up. I am the first woman to ever sign up, and there was actually two other women who signed up. And so here I am now. I'm like, "Oh!" And I go on Facebook through the the twenty four hour film festival page. I'm like, "Um, I'm a writer, and I'm an actor. I don't have a camera, a cinematographer, an editor." help yeah and and so these people these wonderful people in fact uh she wonder productions is my it's myself and rob simpson okay who is a videographer and um cinematographer editor and he showed up i never you know it was like okay you know and so he shot it and edited it and then we had other people just kind of come out and it, it was a short film that when I watch it now, I can see how much I've grown. It was called Fag Hag. Okay. And it was about a woman in her 40s and her aging best friend who's gay. And they're both nasty people. They're, they're really just, they're, they're, they're funny, but there's something kind of, you know, they're kind of like Karen and Jack from Will and Grace on, on ketamine. I mean, they're just, you know, they're they're way out there people and like the first like there's one joke that i love where uh she basically tells him she wants to have a baby and she doesn't have a man she wants to have a baby with and she she says you should have a baby with someone you love and i love you Mm -hmm. and so you know can we try to have a baby and his response is like oh honey sex with you i don't even like to eat oysters oh god and i mean he's just like but they they end up making a baby together, and they have a baby. And we actually, I don't, I don't know how we. You want to talk about weird too, and people just coming out of the woodwork. So I went on Facebook. I said, "Anybody got an infant we can borrow, like a newborn?" <laughs> nice. And this woman named Sunny showed up with her two month old infant, and she oh was a God. nurse. And she said, "Can I play the nurse?" And so we had a birth scene. Where she, and she's like, oh, this is what babies look like when they're born. She took like a baby powder and wet it and rubbed it all over her baby. And of course, the baby's like screaming. And so we have this very realistic birth scene in, uh-huh. in this film where she pulled and I'm holding this little beautiful baby. And 
I how we got and people to this day are like, where did you get an infant like in 24 hours? Like in 24 hours, right. you got a newborn. If I'm like, the universe is an incredible thing. It is mm, absolutely so incredible. Cool. So, but yeah, we we were, but that yeah, the, the, I I'm very proud of that. And you can find my shorts on YouTube and Venmo. Um, my favorite probably is the, the Harvey Skelter, but there's also one called Locked In that I really like. And that's the one that, that only has one line of dialogue and it was required mm. that we had to have yes. what he doesn't know can't hurt him. And mm. so I did this whole thing about a woman who had a husband who had locked in syndrome and it's a syndrome where the person is locked in their body and they oh. can't move. And so she she is miserable because she spends her whole time caring for this disabled man and she's having an affair and at one, this is it's a very southern gothic actually it's um <laughs> she she uh decides she's gonna kill him and the weirdest okay so we had to have the line what he doesn't know can't hurt him we had to have dental floss in it and then we had to have some oh we had to have a flame i think and so she decides she's going to strangle him with dental floss, which sounds funnier than it was. It actually was like, because the whole time I'm like, this, we are either going to get laughed out of this theater or this is going to work. I'm just going to take a risk at it because she's just wrapping this dental floss around her hand and she goes to this, this guy. And um, it, he has this moment where his eyes move towards her and she, he's looking at her and it makes her wonder. What, what does he know? Because the line of, I really wanted to play with the what he doesn't know can't hurt him. Mm. And there was this whole, and now it's a big TikTok trend. She knows, she knows. Um, it, what does he know? You know, even though he's locked in his body, what does he know? You know, does he know I'm cheating? You know, and, and but that's probably, mm. and it won best cinematography. We loved that one. And then it was so funny. I was kind of bummed. I was the actress in it. I was kind of bummed out I didn't get nomination because I felt like it was some of the best acting I had done. No. And then five to eight years later, I get a call from the people who run the 54-hour film festival, which is what it was part of. And they said, we're doing the best of 54, and we want to do your, your film locked in. Hmm. And I said, oh, great. And they said, we're going to have awards. Can you come for the awards? And I didn't even think anything about it. I should have known when they asked me, can you come for the awards? <laughs> um, I said, well, I don't know. And I didn't go, and I won Best Actress Aww, for the for the the uh, best of, and that it was an incredible. I cried when I found out because the the person running the, the festival reached out to me like, um, you, you won Best Actress, and I'm like, Aww. really? <laughs> Thank you, you know. Um, but yeah, that's probably and I I I had planned on doing the horror film festival, and I had this really great idea I wanted to play with that that. And I still think I'm going to make it and submit it for the actual festival next year. I've got to talk with Rob, but it's it's about these. It's basically a parody of Taken, those those horrible Taken films. I don't like them <laughs> okay. because again, female propelling males is sure. what. I'm, I'm not a big fan of that. And but it's little old ladies who make funeral casseroles, which is a very southern thing. There's Ooh. there's um. In fact, I want to I wanted to write about the southern ladies. There there are these women in the South who will meet up once a month and they will make casseroles to put in their freezers for when people die. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love it. 
And so then, you know, you have this casserole you can just take out. The first like, oh, Uncle Bob died here. Have have this tater tot hot dish. Wow. Um, and and so I've always been quite fascinated with, with the, the that sort of part of Southern culture. And I wanted to do this thing where there's a guy who who works with these little old Southern women. And if you want someone to die, basically you come to him, he writes their names down, he gives it to the little old ladies, and they make a casserole for him, and he dies. Oh. And so it's not fully fleshed out, but I think that's going to be the next short. And then I'm also currently working on a film called Mitzi, which is about my pug that that mm. died it's loosely based on her but it's and i've been working on it for a while and i have an actress attached to it her name's um ashley larson uh ratchetford she's she's a lovely incredibly talented young woman and she uh but it's about this brother and sister who their parents died when they were really young and um he has cancer and they're they're still pretty young they're in their 20s and 30s and mm. She's caring for the brother, and he can't get her to embrace the fact that he is going to die. Mm. And so she's driving around to go take care of him, and she just gets inexplainably lost. Mm. And she ends up in this field where the road just ends, and she looks up, and here comes running this little dog across the field, and it's a dog that died when she was a child. Mm. And it's even got the tag on, and she's like, Mitzi, what, you know? And so she puts the dog in the car and then she ends up back and she ends up at her brother's house and she brings the dog in the house and he's like, what the the hell? You know what? Mm -hmm. And, and so they're trying to figure out how this dog is back. And so he tells her, I want to go to this field. I want you to take me. And it becomes this comical thing where he camps out to the car until she'll take, cause she doesn't want to take him. Okay. And she gets out to the field and, and he finally, they, they go to this field and they see the parents that have died across the field. And he tells her, you have to let me go. He, and she's holding his hand and he starts to pull away from her. And I want this shot where you look up at her and you look down and he goes from being a man to the little boy he was when the parents died. <laughs> and she just doesn't want to let him go and he pulls away from her and she you know of course breaks and it walks to the parents and then he and the parents take off and she gets in the car and the dog is still there and so it's just sort of like at least if the universe was going to take her mom and dad and her brother they were going to give her the dog you know <laughs> she's going to need something to get her through and 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 so it, it ends there. But that that's the next, and I want to have that ready hopefully by uh, 2024 for festival submission. But and and, and it's a perfect because I had a pug and my pug died from from uh, cancer, and I I had a nervous breakdown. I mm. I that dog was my soulmate. I still tell people that dog was my soulmate. Um, she said, "I love you and mommy." I taught her to say, "I love you, mommy," and she was just. She was of another plane, you know. Oh, she was too no. good for this world, but but that's uh, in my way of honoring her too. Is that you know I'm gonna have to find a little black pug to fit this film. So that'll be the star. Ashley is just you know. <laughs> yeah, she's just yeah. Around. <laughs> she's just around. It's well, gonna I was about gonna the ask because you yeah. said that you had an actress attached or like an actor attached, and I was like, do you have the dog at, like cast already? Like, cause oh yeah, you have a dog. That attached. feels important. <laughs> I am very, I'm not going to lie, I'm very concerned about the dog, although I will yeah. say it's looking like Twig, my my little, the dog that is currently asleep and attached to my hip right now will probably be that dog. She's a little yeah. 
dachshund chihuahua pug mix. I call her a chug wiener. She's the chug wiener. <laughs> nice. And uh, which either is a dog or something you order at Olive Garden. I don't know. The chug wiener. <laughs> yeah, but, um, but yeah, so I'm thinking I may put her, depending on how well she behaves. I, I have thought about the, I can't remember which actor it was, but he said never work with children and animals. Right. Um, I right. want to say it was W.C. Fields. Yeah, but, I, think um, so. I think that's right. Yeah, and, and so I am concerned about the logistics of doing it in, in this yeah. short film yeah. with a dog. For sure. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it'll be yeah. interesting. Uh, you know, like as, as you were talking about that as an, like a way to honor your Mitzi, your Miss, yeah. Miss Mitzi. Um, I read on your website that you sometimes uh, teach a, like a college class. Um, oh, yeah. Not so much anymore. My friend yeah. that taught that has moved on to other things. But I did teach this haunted Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. I guess, lecture. That's a better way to put it. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. she would just – I didn't – it was very new in my, my ghost-seeing spirit – process and and in fact she was the first person that kind of let me be okay with that um she was she's a goddard grad and her name's maria tiao okay and she um got married and in fact i told her first i'm like she rode on the train with this man beautiful man and um i i told her when i said you're gonna marry him and you're gonna be pregnant before the end of the residency oh my god (laughs) and and she was like oh no 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 Two semesters late, they were married, and then at graduation, she was she was eight and a half months pregnant. Whoa! Wow! And I, I but I told, and she's like, you told me. So she brought me pictures of their honeymoon mm-hmm. to one residency, and I started going to the pictures because I could see it in pictures. And I said, oh, who's the man playing the piano, the ghost man? And uh-huh. she was like, you see that? And I went, yeah. And she's like, Kelly, how did you know? I said, I just I see him. And I was like, oh, who's the woman standing? And she's like, how are you saying that? I said, I just, I don't know. My whole family does it. It's our stupid human trick. I don't, I don't know. And, and, and so she kind of helped me embrace it. So she said, Hey, you want to, I do this haunted Pennsylvania class. You want to come guest lecture around Halloween and just Mm -hmm. talk to the students and tell them about what you do and then maybe do a little of it. And I, I actually doing that helped grow it. It helped me. Because the hardest part is trusting it. And because you'll see things and then you won't say something to somebody because you don't trust it. Mm-hmm. And I, I still am guilty of that. Um, but Or I hear things. And there was one woman that really made me feel very confident. And she, Maria would line them up and just have them walk in front of the camera. And this woman walked in front of the camera. And I said, stop, stop, stop. And I said, there's a man. And he wants you to know he's proud of you. And I was hearing this male voice. And he was saying, stop her. Please tell her I'm proud of her. And please tell her I'm grateful she wears the necklace. Mm. And I said, he's grateful you wear the necklace. And she just burst. And this is the hardest thing with what I do is when they burst into tears. Sure. Because I'm sensitive already. I'm a very sensitive person. And so when that they burst into tears. I have to tell myself, this is not bad, Callie. This is, this is a cathartic thing. This is, mm-hmm. And she reaches in her sweater and she had this kind of high neck sweater and she pulled out this big gold chain. Mm-hmm. And she said, this is my dad's. Mm-hmm. And he died a couple of months ago and I have been wearing it since he died. Wow. And 
here's the thing. It still freaks me out when I still have those moments of really, you know? yeah. <laughs> um, okay. You know, it, it just, um, but trusting it is the hardest part. It really is. And, and, and when I teach it to other people or when I work with other people, I tell them that that can be a lifetime because I'm 51 and I don't think I really trusted it until I was in my late 40s. Mm-hmm. And I've been able to do this since I was five. I mean, I it, it's, it, it takes a while to really trust it. It, it. But doing that class was very helpful and it opened me up to, you know, clients and and different people and and it keeps coming here's the weird thing about this too like i kept fighting it i kept going i would get teaching jobs and everything right now my whole gig outside of the writing is doing that okay and i literally had i was doing this job that i hated i loved it but i hated it it was for a a, a social justice center and it, it was a lot of work. It was exhausting. And I didn't get paid well. And I I remember one day I was cleaning up out after dogs. And I had heard my guides telling me, you need to leave this job. You need to leave this job. And at one point they said, do we have to kill you? Do, do we have to hurt you? And I fell down in a dog kennel and tore my meniscus. And I could not walk. Wow. Oh my gosh. And I I remember thinking, I I need to listen to this. I, I you know, I, I need to listen to it and, and this is what apparently I'm supposed to be doing. And and so and they have been I have three guides. I have Magba who I love. Um, she's this very kind of gold dark woman who I later found out was a priestess of the god Chongo who is the god of war and she's into she's a hoodoo voodoo priestess and 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 it was so funny when i discovered all this through a friend she's like oh mag that's 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 the high priest of of the god chongo and then i have michael who is just kind of angelic and i think it is the angel michael and he's he's very interesting she's magma's more about me helping people michael is more about helping me and then I have this one, I don't know his name, he won't tell me, but he speaks in this big whale voice, it's very loud, it's very, and he scares me sometimes. And he, then he'll say, oh, I'm not here to scare you, I'm just so excited you can hear me. And in fact, I tell people, like, if you're hearing things and you're scared, tell them it scares you, because they are excited that you can hear them. Mm. So, they might sound, and a lot of times we'll go, no, I don't want to hear that, and it's not because it's bad. It's because it's intense. It's a very intense feeling to hear these things. And, but you know, they, they kept telling me that this, this is part of your path and you have to just let it in. You have to embrace it. And, uh, they said, we're sorry that you hurt yourself, but you hurt yourself. And they'll explain it. It's like, you kept resisting. <laughs> yeah. We warned you. We warned you. Exactly. We kept telling you, you know, you were, you were going down the wrong path. And so, and I'm, I'm grateful because it has opened up more teaching, mm-hmm. more, um, more of, of this. And, and it's weird too. People will just find me. I don't know. Like I had a client I met with, um, recently and I just assumed she was referred to me by another client. She's like, no, I found you. I just, I found you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay. But I, I get that from Leslie. Yeah. I just, just found you. And I'm like, no, great. <laughs> you know? So I guess it's just putting that energy out in the universe so that we can be found. 
but yeah, it, it's, uh, it's, it's a fun new path that I'm, I'm glad I'm at 51, finally able to kind of trust it a little bit more, at least I'd say about 90, 90% I trust it. <laughs> sure. That is pretty Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you, you have, um, different like writing workshops and mm-hmm. your site, your private psychic reading business. Um, can you talk a little bit about what you have coming up? Yes. How people can book with you, um, sign up, etc. My big one right now, please go on to the Chattery in Chattanooga. I am doing an erotica writing workshop. Ooh. It's, it's like September 3rd, I want to say. It's either 3rd or 5th, but it's on the the website. with It's the C H A T T E R Y, and I do a lot of workshops with the Chattery. They're a, a wonderful. They, they're the best thing I've found in Chattanooga so far. It's a group of these lovely women who decided, hey, you want to teach something? We will give you a space, mm-hmm. and for and we will PR it. We will put it out there in the world so that people can see it, and then you'll you know we'll take you know thirty percent of what you make, and then you know you have a safe wonderfully beautiful space to do your workshop in and 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 that's all taken care of so they have been very gracious in doing workshops for me i've done tarot reading workshops i've done reiki workshops i've done um i'm also a laughter yoga facilitator okay and so i did a laughter yoga if you can get to a laughter yoga session with anybody i highly recommend it It is the most fun you will ever have it's just and you're high when you leave because of the way it works it's and i have people like i feel like i've just you know drank you know a half a bottle of liquor i mean i'm just kind of goofy and and very you know pumped and and it's weird how laughter yoga works but um and you feel ridiculous but that's part of it um so but now they 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 have me with my erotica writing workshop and um like i said that's in september and i'm i'm super thrilled and it's it's I like to say, it, yes, it's an erotica workshop, but erotica writing, but it's, I really feel like it's a, a going outside your boundaries writing workshop because mm-hmm. part of the issue with writers is we, some of us can get really trapped in our heads and overthink things. And it's basically saying, okay, one, let's not overthink it. And two, let, where are you taking it? Now let's take it a little further. You know, I had a teacher at UT that I loved, and I'd written this thing, and there was a fish tank in it, and, and, and all these crazy things were happening. And he's like, well, why didn't the character reach in the fish tank and just start, like, kissing the fish or something, you know? And, and, and he would always say, torque it up, torque it up. And so this is kind of a torque it up class. Where, and it, I'm glad, you know, I had that teacher passed away a couple of years ago, and now I'm doing this, and it's, like, making me kind of want to cry because it's, like, um, I, I'm glad I'm honoring him. I'm glad I'm honoring him. But... Yeah. Back, back, but it, it's about writing past boundaries and and you know using profanity and you know, mm-hmm. having people have sex. And, you know. Sure. And especially like I like to read stuff from I read stuff from the Bell Jar. Okay. Mm-hmm. The scene where the girl's breasts fly out of her dress and the, the guy's throwing her around. I read that. And then there's a a masturbation scene in Bastard Out of Carolina mm-hmm. in Dorothy Allison's book where a young young girl masturbates with a hook she finds in a creek. Wow. And wow. I I read that in the workshop and I and I say, you know, erotica is not just you know, 
Playboy penthouse. It, it's there's erotica in most things that you read, and and, and it's yeah. just so you have to. I mean, and when you think, man, especially best bastard out of Carolina. I mean, that's a, a heavy book about child abuse and and incest and and you know to have a scene where a 13 year old girl is masturbating with a giant hook she's found in the creek is it, it, it's very sensual and yet it's very pressing and 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 and, and that's one of the first things like just because you're writing a sex scene doesn't mean it has to be a good sex scene i mean sex sometimes sucks and sex right. sometimes people use it for therapy and sometimes you know sex isn't pretty you know yeah. um and and so it, we go into that boundary thing where we kind of get over our idea of sex or erotica being this perfect thing like another one i i, God, I wish I could remember his name there's a a guy who had cystic fibrosis and he was a fetishist and he wrote this really beautiful erotic poem about his need to be dominated i read that one too and it's very tragic and sad and yet also very beautiful and um but it, it's, it's a fun class I've, I've done it a couple of times before so um but that's my next big thing uh mm -hmm. project wise so and the my web page like i have for the you can book readings through right. Uh, my webpage or parties, I do mm -hmm. a lot of different things, and that's at callymeister.com. Okay. And um, I'm always I'm open to new clients all the time. I, I have only fired one client, and that that was drama. So oh, okay. <laughs> I, I hope I never have to do that again. But um, yeah, he was an interesting dude. Uh, he hated getting readings from me, but then he would always schedule them, and then he would complain the entire time. And then he would go to people who knew me and tell them how awful I was. And then he would he would schedule another appointment, and then he'd try to 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 not pay me. I mean, it was just oh my god, it what was is the agenda I, there, you know? Like, yeah, what? that's my thought. It's like, what are you trying to accomplish here? I yeah. mean, what <laughs> what? Yeah. What sort of random world do you live in? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but just chaos. Exactly. Otherwise, I absolutely love every client. I learn, and I tell them, I learn more from you. I get more from you than you get from me. I, I really do. Like, um, when I think about the things, the discussions, the experiences I've had with some clients, it's profound. It has grown me. It, it, I love, I love what I do there. I, I really do to the point where, especially being in the South, when people will try to manipulate me and, Oh, you do this or you're Satanist or you, it's all about the devil. And I just, I just say, I'm not entertaining you. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I am not even going to indulge you in this. If you have a problem, that is your problem. Mm -hmm. Um, but, it, and I would say, you know, if you could come to me, you know, come with me to these sessions, but I'm in no way I ever invited these people. It, it's so profound, the experience. I mean, I've had it, I have everything from people who are reaching out to loved ones who have committed suicide, to mm. people who just died of cancer, to people who are trying to figure out whether or not they need to buy a house, you know, um, 
and, and, and it's weird. Like, and I've, I've gotten the okay from this particular client. My favorite weird thing was a woman who her son had, had killed himself. He had shot himself. Mm. And, um, she was grieving that. And I get it. She's a mother. And, and she said, what, why did he, why did he do this? Why? Mm-hmm. And I connected with him and he literally shrugged his shoulders and went, I don't know. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> whoops. And I'm sitting there and I'm hearing this and I'm looking at this mother through the zoom call and she sees in my face, you know, she's like, what, what? And I just said, I said, I don't feel comfortable telling you what he said, because if this were my son, it would really hurt me. Yeah. And she's like, no, please. And she begged. I said, well, I said, he just shrugged his shoulders and said, whoops. It, 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 he didn't mean it. It was an accident. It wasn't thinking. And she started laughing. And I said, oh, hon. And she said, no, she said, that's him. That's so him. And and I said, well, I, I, I'm glad that that resonates. So sometimes they do say things that I'm just like, I don't. And, and that, again, that's the trust thing. I just have to trust that what they're telling me, I can just say it. You know, I can yeah. just put it out there. But yeah, he was one of, of my favorites that, because he was kind of, he was very zen and like, you know, it was a mistake. I, I you know, and, and now I'm having to deal with this on an, another plane. But, you know, I, that was part of the lesson. You know, I did something impulsive. And, um, you know, and I, I've connected with a lot of people who have died from drug addictions and, um, different sort of deaths and you feel it like my, I'm at a point where my body connects to them. Like I will, mm. I will say like, did this person have breast cancer or lung cancer? And they'll be like, yeah, it's like, like my chest is burning. My oh, wow. chest is burning mm. or I'll get real dizzy and I'll feel weird. I'm like, did they have stroke? because the head feels cloudy it feels really cloudy or you know um my 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 butt started hurting and i was like did they have colon cancer <laughs> because oh, i wow. feel like i it burns when i poop you know and, and then they'll be like yeah okay it's but it is getting to where and i will tell you the downside of that i, I have a hard time going out to places like farmers markets but i still i love doing that or malls because I feel everybody mm. like if somebody's got a hurt back, I feel that if somebody's knee hurts, I feel that if wow. somebody's having a really, you know, bad day, I feel that. And so I am at a point where I have to be guarded. I have to have very clear boundaries. Mm-hmm. And then that's hard in doing that too, because it's like, okay, um, you know, part of being open is being open. But then you have to shut it down because you can't walk around. And I think that's why I fought it in my teenage years. I didn't know how to do that. And so all through my teens and my 20s, I was walking around like a open sore. And everything was coming at me. And I would cry all the time. And I would be upset. And and then I realized, okay, I I have to create those boundaries Mm. for myself Mm. so that I don't get exploited. Sure. And um, and then again, that was part of the Goddard thing and having Paul as the head of the program, being able to learn from him in that way, too, mm. and um, having a lot of questions for him there. And he is, man, to this day, he's he's the most on the mark person I've 
like he did some stuff with Goddard that to this day I, I'm like freaked out. I was he did the playwriting stuff. He was a playwright, and we were in a workshop, and he chose my play to to workshop. And you have to hand it out to people and and pick people to read. And I so desperately wanted Paul to read my mother, oh. to read the role of my mother. And I was thinking it so profoundly, and all of a sudden Paul just goes, "Give me the script." I'll read Maggie. I didn't say it. I I was just so profoundly. And I think one time at Goddard too, Paul told me, you think so loudly. Oh, wow. Um. Awesome. <laughs> and I was like, uh, it's, it's, it's another one of my stupid human tricks, Paul. <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, it's interesting how it all just goes full circle and everything connects when you look wow. at it. It's like a beautiful little mind map. Mm. So. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah. Well, on that note, I mean, I know we could talk to you for much longer, <laughs> but we will have to wrap it up. But, um, you know, come back at some point. I'm sure we'll we'll be able to promote whatever whatever other thing that you're doing oh, cool. next time. Um, but thank you so much for joining us today, Callie. Yeah, this was well, great. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited for next time. I feel like we have so many more. It sounds like you have so many more things to promote and yeah. so many things going on and so many more stories to share. I mean, and it makes me think of my own Goddard stories where faculty have read my mind, you know. Those people are incredible. <laughs> You know, like um, Reiko would do tarot readings for writers, and I remember she did one for a group, and there was a card that was speaking to me, and she was like, okay, who wants to go first? And I was like, don't look at me, don't look at me. And she was like, Sam, do you want to start? And I was like, yes, yes, I do. Um, yes, I do. <laughs> you know, I so totally understand. Yep. Yeah, so it's so great hearing those experiences from you, too. You know? Yeah, well, we will have to do this again, and, and, and I hope you guys also will find me on social media. I, I am all, I will very quickly, I am on Facebook, yeah. TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, awesome. everywhere. If you Google me, I'm, I'm like, I think I'm like herpes, maybe a little bit. <laughs> Easily I'm, I'm, Exactly, <laughs> and, and, and I, I won't go away. <laughs> what an excellent note to end on. <laughs> there you go. My friends are going to love that when they're listening. They're like, of course you would end with the New York City Palace. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank yeah, you thank so you. much, Sally. Uh, and have a great day. You too. <laughs> you too. This podcast is a project of Goddard Alumni Association. It is produced, hosted, and edited by Sam Rubline and Amanda Fay Laxon. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast or would like more information, please visit goddardalumni.com slash podcast. And please subscribe to the podcast in your favorite listening app so you never miss an episode. See you next time.